Welcome to the Lessons for Leaders podcast. This week I'm sharing my seven steps to successful planning. So whether this is for you personally or in your organisation, listen in for tips that cover reasons to think about why you are creating this plan, the importance of breaking down planning and hear about an organisation who didn't do this and the impact of it, how accountability can be really powerful, the secret to making plans a success, why it's important to make sure that you look at barriers and it's not all about negativity, the one of my key pillars of resilience that I deliver in all my workshops that's also essential to successful planning, and finally, how to ensure that this does not all seem really tedious before you even get started. Join me on today's episode. Welcome to the Lessons for Leaders podcast. Each week I bring you lessons, learnings, tips and advice to enable you to lead with ease in business without the stress, doubt and overwhelms that help you to increase your performance, to be resilient and thrive in life. I'm Emma Langton, your host, leadership coach and wellbeing trainer, helping you and your workforce increase performance and make the impact that you want in the world. Now, I've had a few emails and calls recently from people who are finding things really difficult and know that those difficulties are affecting their performance and affecting them individually. People are getting in touch for their own help because they're feeling burnt out, stressed, overwhelmed and finding that their work and lives are unsustainable. I've also got people talking about wanting to leave their professions especially a lot of HR people, but not exclusively, because it's all feeling too much. So Neve, a HR manager, said, I was in a difficult position job-wise and mentally, and Emma was a welcome listener who provided sound support and advice and helped me to reframe my issues and how to approach them. I'm now in a much better place and have secured a fantastic new role because my confidence grew too. Emma's support was so helpful and appreciated during this time. I would seek Emma's support again. If that sounds a bit similar to you, then please do get in touch with me, emma at emmalankton.com or go over to my website where you can book straight into my diary to have a call and see how I can help you. Now, excitingly, this month I'm almost fully booked for January to deliver workshops that are happening online and in person. If you're quick, you can talk to me about what I can do to help your organisation or individuals in your workplace so that they have proven tools and techniques to improve performance, create healthy work-life boundaries, boost resilience and so much more. There's still place in February too, but bookings are coming in all the way through to April, which quite frankly, after the pandemic, Um, is amazing for me. So thank you to those who trust me to support you in this. Do get in touch if you think I can help you in any way. Now, finally, I know you're probably sick of hearing me ask this, but please do hit the subscribe button and leave a review too. It helps enormously for the podcast host places to know what you like and importantly, to share with other people that might be interested.
So, back to today's episode with the seven steps to successful planning. Now, whether this is for you personally or whether you are creating well-being plans for the year, leadership plans or any other plan in your organisation, I'm going to cover the key steps that I go through when I work with individuals and organisations. I've been doing a lot of talk with HR and wellbeing leads who are looking particularly at wellbeing plans for their organisations. And with the pandemic, it's become more important to look at and support people in your organisation and move away from the kind of uh, tick box and knee-jerk reactive uh, plug-in plans that have been going on. So in the time that I've been working with everybody, I've created this seven steps and I also have a seven steps to winning wellbeing plans as well. So this can apply to individual goals, any time. So not even necessarily to just like New Year's resolutions, but it can be business plans, wellbeing plans. And I work with a lot of people in large and small organisations and also with entrepreneurs. So some of these methods might be familiar. However, you'll see how I add a kind of oomph to everything to ensure that they remain really successful. So the first thing is to think about your why. Think about why you are creating this plan, whether it's for yourself or the goal for your resolution or a plan for your organisation and get really, really clear on what your why is. What do you want to get out of this? How will it look? How will it know when you get there? Are you just doing it because it's New Year? Because your boss said so? You know, there's still a bigger why with all of this. And when you've got that why, it's going to be able to keep you driving forward. If it's a plan for an organisation, it will also enable you to sell, in inverted commas, the why and create buy-in with other people in your organisation. Now, as with any kind of goal setting, with your why, get really specific. You know, in businesses, you'll probably be really familiar with, uh, say, SMART goals, which are specific, measurable, achievable, relative, and timely, or often targeted. But there are other models that you can look at for goal setting, such as the GROW model, which is goal, reality, options, and way forward. This is used a lot in coaching. All these are available with a bit more information with a quick internet search. But whatever you use, make your why really specific. Then think about breaking it down. Now, obviously, these um, goal-orientated models do help you to break it down. So whether you choose one of the methods that I've just described or any other, make sure that you write it down and put it into a proper plan. So when you're breaking it down into steps and stages, you're making it into achievable chunks. Even if it's not a business related goal, perhaps it's about like diet or a healthy eating plan, plan out your meals. I do this all the time. It stops me having to think about whatever it is that we're doing um, and removes it from my to-do list, especially when you've got kids going, what's for tea, mum? What have we got to eat? Oh, the fridge is empty when it's absolutely rammed full, you know. 
so that's one of the basic things that kind of reduces stress and, and stops you having to think about things. But if you want to do more of something or even less of something, then plan it into your week. I have specific times in my diary when I sit down and do record podcasts and I block out time for that. You know, when I'm doing uh, meeting friends for dog walks, going to the gym, etc. If you're using smart goal setting, it needs to feel achievable. And breaking it down helps you to do this. If you're using grow, then there needs to be the reality of it happening and the options for how you can make it happen. So I've talked a little bit about how I do it individually, but also when you're putting in big plans in an organization that are happening across a month or a year, it can seem like a mountain to climb. So taking it down into one step, one day, one week, one month, it can seem achievable when we break it down. I know that might seem obvious and you might be sitting there rolling your eyes at me perhaps, but (laughs) we often forget to do this or certainly the people I work with sometimes forget to do this. So you know, I spoke to an organisation who had commissioned an outside company to do a staff survey about how people were feeling, which is one good step, certainly that I include in the wellbeing plan as well, about finding out what's going on. But then this organisation did nothing with it. So because they didn't have this uh, survey bit as part of a plan, they didn't break it down into achievable chunks. The survey showed a lot of work that was needed and it all seemed too big and they didn't know where to start. So it ended up fizzling out and they did nothing. So make sure that's not you. Now, thankfully, with this organisation, I'm now going in and we're starting a series of resilience workshops that are targeted at different levels of the organisation to meet the needs that they have there. That's breaking it down. Also be accountable. Tell people what you are going to do. So perhaps by putting your information on the calendar or telling people at work, putting it in a formal calendar at work. However, being accountable also means that you take responsibility for what goes on. It's not about saying I'm going to do it and then not actually doing it. Being accountable means that you are highlighting what you're going to do, but it's really down to you to make it happen. So it's a great way to keep yourself in check. It's also a great way to share the message across your organisation. People don't like surprises and big changes, even when that changes for the better. So sharing what you're doing in chunks removes the surprise and helps to raise awareness and get people on board. Accountability is the biggest thing for me to keep me going. I email my yoga teacher, she sends out a reminder about classes starting back each term and I say, yep, I'll see you there. So she knows to expect me and then I go, oh my God, I've said I'm going to go, so I better go. I also did accountability with uh, puppy training for the gorgeous Dolly the Diva, who was a nightmare. And I decided, well, I needed puppy training. I possibly knew a lot of maybe what I should be doing. But I needed the accountability of the weekly sessions to make sure I actually took the time with the damn dog and did the homework type thing. I actually learned a hell lot more as well, you know, but I share my plans with my family and my business besties. Um, And I tell you lot, if I've broadcast on the podcast, then I think, God, I'll have to do it because you'll be waiting for it. (laughs) 
You know, I did it in the last episode with a promise about the next newsletter, which is also out today, saying it will be include a freebie of the seven steps to the winning wellbeing plan. So if you want it, hit my head over to my uh, website, www.emmalankton.com and sign up to the newsletter or drop me a message on any of the social platforms or email me, emma at emmalankton.com with your email and I can get it sent to you. Okay, back to the steps. Number four is about the benefits. So please don't sit back and wait for things to happen. If I sat back and waited for clients to come to me, then, well, really, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. It's all part of me taking action. I know how much people love to hear this. I know how many people were into listening to things rather than reading things, which is why I did a podcast rather than blog or newsletter. You cannot sit back and hope that everything will fall into place. I know that's probably another bit of eye roll, but it's true. So those specific things that you said you were going to do, you actually have to do them, even if you feel uncomfortable or if it starts out being difficult. However, it's so much more than just a, you know, JFDI type thing. Remember, our brain is wired to notice the negatives. So it's going to find the ways and reasons that this new plan is not going to work. One great way to overcome this is to get in touch with the feelings. Feelings are often not talked about, but they are a huge driving force for getting things done. Feelings often override the negative aspects of the brain and bring about positive feelings, reducing the stress about this different and new thing. In business... The feelings bit might be about the benefits of the employee with a boost of morale or helping to be happier or healthier or helping them to feel included. And like I said, they know what's going on. Now, the benefits, the feelings bit might be about improving performance at a higher level or other reasons, perhaps about reducing absence, helping build trust, having people feel supported. But these benefits as well will also form part of that communication plan, the accountability and encourage people to be involved. So you can begin to see how all these different steps are not just steps that stand alone, but they interlink with the others. The next step that you're going to do is to make sure that you look at the barriers to success. So apart from kind of noticing negativities, what is it that's going to stop this plan happening? Are you aiming at too much or is it too much too soon? I once had a client individually who said to me that, you know, she wanted to get fitter and be more active. And I asked how she could do that and what did she have in mind? And she said she would cycle around the village every day. And when we dug deeper, you know, I felt that this was quite big going from nothing to every day. So we dug deeper about where it can happen and what was the likelihood and how does she feel at the end of each day. And she often said that she was drained, she did a difficult job. And she, with guidance from me, realised that starting maybe at twice a week was more achievable and realistic because she identified that there was barriers there. Now, that's just one person. So if this is for a team or even a whole organisation, the principle is still the same. 
Have you done a survey? Have you asked people? It's important to make sure that you look at where the barriers are to make sure that your plan is successful. So again, make sure that you're not doing too much too soon. I see this in organisations where there's an amazing plan and then they end up throwing all the things at people or mixing too many different topics and subjects. And if you do this, it creates confusion and people won't know what they're doing or what thing to do first. So the next step is making sure that you visualise. Visualise how you want this plan to be. Visualisation is one of the key pillars of resilience that I deliver in all my resilience workshops. If we forget to go back to our vision and our why, then we lose sight, literally, of the reason that we're doing all this, the why that we get out of bed on a morning. We can forget this and we go into doing mode. So if you're working on successes, how do you want it to look? Where do you want to be sitting? What do you want to be doing? Who do I want to talk to? What do I want people talking about? Well, how do I want that goal to look? If you're doing this plan for in business, how is it going to work? Is it going to have a monthly focus? Are you doing things yourself? Are you bringing in people with expertise? like me, to do webinars or lunch and learn sessions or workshops or group coaching or one-to-one coaching? Is it about getting other managers involved? Is it about leadership buy-in? It's all part of the options that you have. When you really think about the details and visualise how they're going to happen, it really makes a bigger impact If you're not a person who kind of sees in images, then just go with how you are, the feeling that you want. You know, how will your clothes feel on you? How will you talk? How will the team talk? What will people say about this plan? If you were a fly on the wall, what would people be saying about you, about the company? What would team meetings look like? What would the workforce look like? How would they be coming in to the workplace? Visualisation is really powerful. It's something I do with all my one-to-one clients and it taps into that feelings bit that I mentioned earlier. But it's not just for individuals. It's for leaders. It's for business owners. So like with the managing director, Paul, that I worked with, and he said, I feel totally different in my business and myself. I'm dealing with people exactly as I want to and on an equal footing. Amazing, he said. So maybe you'll visualise how you communicate this programme to make it a success. Or you'll see a Zoom full of people being attentive and interactive or even an office, a meeting or a workplace of people that really want to be there and make it attractive to people to want to get involved in. So step into it as if you're already there. See it as it's already happening, it's already a success. And then you really get the feel of achieving that vision, those plans, those goals. And then of course, finally, review Go back and review your plans periodically. That might be every week or however frequently you need it. Is it about reviewing each week, each month, each quarter? 
review, tweak, change and adjust to make sure that it continues to work for you. Set aside time to do this and it might seem tedious when you start. You know, I liken it to decorating. It's the pain and time consuming doing the sanding, the filling, the preparation, the quick bit and kind of the fun bit and the bit that feels like it's really successful, like you're getting on with it, is doing the papering or the painting. Any good plan is like this. Yes, it takes a bit of effort and planning, but it can really make the difference to those goals, those dreams, and even your New Year's resolutions. So, just to recap, think about your why. Break it down into achievable chunks. Be accountable by telling people or your teams or your workplace what you are going to be doing. Don't sit back and wait for things to happen. Look at the benefits of everything so that you can use that and tap into the feelings of those benefits too. Without being a negative Nancy, look at the barriers to success so that you are aware of them. And visualise how you want this to be so that you can really see feel and even hear how it's going to look like and then review, tweak, change and adjust to make sure it continues to work for you. I really hope that this is helpful in ensuring that you can do successful planning for 2022. If you would like help and support with this as ever or you have any questions, please do get in touch with me, emma at emmalankton.com. I would be more than happy to set up a call or just with some tips back on email. I love hearing from my listeners and what it is that you get out of this. So until next time, bye for now. Mm-hmm.